Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Coming at you, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May, Orange Fizz Radio. We're reunited once again, Jaron. We haven't been on in a while together, but I'm excited yeah. to be back with you. Yeah, Matt, this has been a while. We, we took a little hiatus last time. It was our turnaround. Uh, I'm pumped up. We got plenty to talk about. Plus, we have all the time in the world. This is a podcast version. Oh, yeah. It is a podcast version, so we can pretty much go as long as we want. <laughs> I know the listeners are probably pretty amped to hear my voice. I don't know about yours, but we like yeah. you mentioned, we have a pretty exciting show. We'll talk Clemson. We'll go for midseason awards. We'll get to the basketball recruiting. J.J. Starling to Notre Dame. We'll give you all our thoughts on it, and we'll wrap up with fictional fizz and fizz feedback like we always do. Jaron, let's hop right into it. This is a huge game for Syracuse because it always gets hyped up by the media, by the fans, by just about everybody, but... If I had to rank the biggest games of the year, I'd probably put this one third behind Wake Forest last week and NC State upcoming. Even maybe Virginia Tech is above this one just because Clemson isn't looking very good at all. Of course, they're still a good football team. But I think this is more of an even match than people think it is. I think it's an even match, and I don't think that that's like a bad thing. However... I would not put this over Virginia Tech. The the Hokies have not looked great. I, I think this is probably your second hardest test. And sure, uh, Wake Forest was solid, but you almost beat them. NC State's going to be tough because you're going on the road to face them. So there are those facts that you do have to deal with. However, Clemson is Clemson, and no matter how you, you shape it and no matter how they're playing, they are still full of five-star caliber players, and you you hear Dino talk about it this week, he's saying they are double our size. So if you're just breaking it down from a size standpoint, it's difficult to go against the Tigers. They might not be uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne who are just going to jam it down your throats and kill you offensively, but this defense for the Tigers is legit. I think this defense is better than they were last year, And the offense is questionable. They have a lot of question marks. They have some injuries to some key players. But this Clemson team is still going to be probably your second, if not your first, hardest game this season. I don't know. I I think Wake Forest was probably the biggest game of the year. I mean, you had a a top 20 team come out of the Dome. uh, And then NC State, I think, is just better than Clemson. They proved that when they took him down and knocked him down to 25 in the rankings. Now they're out for the first time since 2014. But like I said before, and like you said, this team is still Clemson. It's still Dabo Sweeney, still Brent Venables. It's still that incredible defense that we've been seeing year in, year out. Uh, And Dino said it, like you mentioned, these guys are huge. They've got five stars on five stars on five stars, and that's always what Clemson is going to have and what it's going to have in favor of it when facing any opponent. So Syracuse can't take this lightly like they they wouldn't, uh, and they're going to have to go in there and fight. But here's my thing. I think that this game is won and lost at the Syracuse cornerback position. You've got Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams who have shown talent, have also shown uh, some opposite of talent at times 
these guys have to come to play, and the reason why is that this Clemson offense has been struggling this season for a couple of reasons. One, the offensive line has just not had the chemistry that we've seen over the last few years. That's why DJ Uyunglele has struggled, uh, and that's why they can't really get any offense going. Two, the backfield does no longer features arguably the greatest ACC player of all time in Travis Etienne. Uh, they're now down to Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, Lin Jay Dixon, Shipley's all three guys out. who are not... Shipley's out of this game, too. I know, Matt. I was about Shipley. to say. Shipley yeah. is out of this game, which makes Syracuse's job a little bit easier. N- none easy. of those three guys are feature-back uh, quality either. Yeah. Uh, and then you look out to the wideouts, where you've got two guys. Joseph Ngata and Justin Ross are the only guys on this team with more than six catches. Uh, so if you can, and the, the reason the defenses have had an easy time taking Clemson down this year is because if you can neutralize those two guys, you you force them to run the ball, which is what they're weak at this season. So if Syracuse's DBs can come up clutch and, and play Justin Ross and Ngata, uh, pretty well, I think that they have a good chance at winning this game. Of course, they still have to score points. And I think they will. Sean Tucker has, is leading the country in all-purpose yards for a reason. He's nearly at 1,995 right now. I think if him and Garrett Schrader can get that ground game going, they will score points, and I think they will win. Wow. I, I mean, we can get to, to the to the actual predictions in a little bit, but you just said that they might win. Wow. I, I, I want to break that down in a second. Uh, I think you, you pull out a really good point, and specifically the one guy that scares me the most if, if I'm a Syracuse fan and if I'm looking at this game, like who's going to really hurt us? It's Justin Ross. That guy yep. is legit. He is NFL caliber. He could have went last year. He had an injury. He comes back to try to prove it one more year, uh, help out his, his draft stock. It was a smart move by him. But when you think about this, and I talked to Dino Babers um, actually earlier today about why Wake Forest had so much success through the air is because they were running a lot of one-on-one. Syracuse specifically was on the defensive side of things. And they were just saying, hey, you have to go win your one-on-one battle. If you do that against Justin Ross, whether you put Garrett Williams, Deuce Chestnut, or any of the defensive backs, you're going to get cooked. Justin Ross will win his one-on-one battle no matter who is lined up on the opposite side. No matter if it was True Williams or Ifatu Melifonu or Andre Sisco. I don't care. Justin Ross is an NFL-caliber wide receiver. Well, that's why you can't go one-on-one. Exactly. So, if Dino understands, and it seems like he already recognizes, the big mistake last week against Wake Forest was just the the coaching, the, the, the... schematics of their game plan so if he understands that and he says all right we have to change it up then you're fine you have to have over the top coverage against ross you have to have maybe even double teaming him sometimes play in zone make sure you know where he is eight in whatever color they wear on friday night that's going to be the guy that you need to look out for so i agree with you on that one i'm going to go to the opposite side for my key to this game because yeah, you might be able to shut down this offense for Clemson because they're not as good as they usually are. But scoring against this Clemson defense is really tough. They give up 12 points per game. That's it. 12 points the entire game on average. They don't score a lot offensively, but their defense just wears you down and they just do not allow you to move the ball. So if you continue to go three and out, maybe two first downs and then out, and then you continue to punt, and you're punting, 
this year has been atrocious. So you're not flipping the field. It really has been. How sad is that for Syracuse? You go from punter you to not be able to get a punt past the 10-yard line. That is so sad. And I wrote an article on orangefizz.net if you want to go read our, our content on James Williams because I thought he was going to be the next punter you. And it seemed like he was through the first game. And then it got shut down. So that was a bad take by me. But I'm full of them here on on, on Fizz Radio. Um, <laughs> but I think that you need to win offensively more than you need to win defensively. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think it comes down to Sean Tucker and, and Garrett Schrader, how they can move the ball with their legs, and if they can find the openings in this defense and make sure you sustain drives. That's my biggest key. Sustain drives. Make sure your defense isn't out on the field for the majority of this game. Give them breaks to breathe and sustain drives on the ground. If you can do that, I think you have a chance. I want to address a couple of the things you said. First, if you don't know, Justin Ross last year was out with an injury that was more than serious. Dabo Sweeney didn't think he was going to play football ever again. He had he had to get neck surgery. It's honestly a miracle that he's back out on the field. So we love to see Justin Ross back on the field no matter what, uh, because this is a kid that is going to be in the NFL one day, and it's just a great story. Two, you talked about the Clemson offense. You mentioned it a little bit. These guys really cannot score the football. They haven't shown that they can score the football. In regulation against D1 opponents this year, the most they've had is 19 points. Now, the spread for this game is minus 13 and a half. The math doesn't really add up. I mean, if you're going to argue that Syracuse isn't going to score points, that's one thing. But I just don't think that Clemson's going to put up a huge score on Syracuse when they really couldn't do it against the other ACC opponents they've faced. I mean, of course, Georgia week one, that didn't help. Uh, when you have a quarterback who's new to the system and you couldn't score an offensive touchdown, whatever. Um, but this team's offense really isn't all that. And I think that that's what's going to keep Syracuse in the game. Jaron, I agree that it's going to be very low scoring. I don't think either team's going to crack 20 points. Um, I think it's going to be a really competitive game, one that's really a lot of defense, just a ton of defense on both sides. My question to you is, do you think that DJ Uyunglele Gets to, gets to the Dome. He sees the, the fans around him. It is rocking in the Carrier Dome. Do you think he still beats this team with his arm? With his arm? Yeah. I think that's your only way because the rush defense for Syracuse is so darn good. I, I, don't, I don't think Clemson wins this game on the ground. If they are to win this game, which I think they do, they got to win it through the air. The DBs for Syracuse, the secondary, has shown that they have some holes. It, they've shown that they can get picked apart. They have tape. Uh, Clemson's going to watch that Wake Forest game and say, hey, this is how the Demon Deacons did it. We got to draw up something pretty similar. They they had 330 yards through the air last week. So if Clemson can replicate that, and I think DJ Uyangalale is still a very solid quarterback and will probably be an NFL guy in a couple years, if you can do that, then you're probably going to win this game. And I think that is the only way that they can go about it offensively. All right. Jaron likes the Tigers. I like the Orange. We're going to hit a short break. On the other side, we'll talk midseason awards. Here are our thoughts in a few. This is Fizz Radio. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte, as well as Jaron May, 
with you. We talked Clemson. We talked Friday night's big game. We got that out of the way. I like the orange. Jaron likes the Tigers. Now we're on to some midseason awards. Syracuse is 3-3 three and three right now. Some, like myself, would argue that they should really be 5-1, and one, maybe even 6-0. and oh. Whoa. Let's talk midseason Whoa. awards, Jaron. Whoa. You don't like that take? I think at best they're 4-2. and two. I, th- I think what? they lost that Rutgers game. I do not think they won that game. Sure, sure, sure. That's the one that that is, like, obvious. Okay. And then... I, the other two, they should have won FSU and they should have won Wake uh, Forest. Wake Forest, I... Yes, they should have won it, but the coaching lost it. And the coach... You obviously need to have solid coaching. So, if you don't... You're right. The coaching did lose it, but they should have won. Yeah. That's my fair. point. They okay. should be 5-1 right. and one right now. Nobody stole it from them. They did it to themselves, but... I think any other team okay, wins those two I see, games, I, is my I, point. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. So I think they should be 5-1 and one right now. Uh, they're not really – they're shooting themselves in the foot is basically what I'm saying. Let's let's move on to some midseason awards. We've got Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Team MVP, Biggest Surprise, Biggest Newcomer, Biggest Disappointment. Jaron, take it away. Who's the Offensive Player of the Year as of right now? I mean, Matt, is I, – <laughs> I think there's only one answer. I think we have if to say. If you think anybody Sh- other than Sean Tucker right now, you're just you're an imbecile. Yeah, it's Sean Tucker. I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say here. I, it's Sean Tucker. He That's is, what I want you to say. It was a test. <laughs> thank you. He is the best offensive player in on this team. He's probably a top three offensive player in the ACC. I mean, plain and simple. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run out of the backfield. He doesn't go down on first touch. He is the best player that I think we have seen at in our time here at SU. I think he's better than Absolutely. Eric Dungey. I, I do too. I think two he's different, more valuable two different to this players. team than Eric Dungey. Yeah. yeah, two different players, two different, obviously, positions. But Sean Tucker is better at what he does than what Eric Dungey did at his position. Probably not as much of a leader, though, I got to say. Sean Tucker, he's not usually too verbal sure, when you got yeah. him on the mic. Yeah. Um, all right. You're, we both say Sean Tucker. I mean, yeah, it's got to be Sean Tucker. I mean, you can't really go anywhere else with it. Uh, 153 yards on the ground against Wake Forest, two touchdowns, and then the receiving touchdown as well. He's just been incredible for this team, game in, game out. He's only had one game this season under 100 yards. The guy is just a freak, just an animal. Uh, we all get to look forward to his post-game tweets. Uh, after every game. So you got to love Sean Tucker. He's the offensive player of the year. I'll give you my defensive player of the year first. Michael Jones is the man for me, the quarterback of the defense, as Dino put it a few games ago. This guy, I really think, flies under the radar a little bit, but also gets, I think, his due diligence at points because he's great at everything he does, and he is just an absolute leader for Syracuse. Without him on this team, I think that they wouldn't be as close to where they are as a defensive unit right now. Some call him overrated, and maybe there's some truth to that, but there's a lot of talent on this defense, and sometimes it looks really, really pretty, and there's no denying that. you got to love Michael Jones. Yeah, I'm going to also go Jones. I, I And s- same facts as you, leading the team, 54 tackles, two sacks, six and a half ta- uh, tackles for a loss. You, you know, he has that fumble recovery in the Liberty game. He is... Everything as advertised, and even more. Michael Jones, absolutely worthy of this uh, recognition. However, 
I also got to toss out, like you said, there are some other guys that I had to think about, like Sean Tucker, clear favorite on the offensive side of things. Michael Jones, still the very much favorite defensively, but there are some defensive players that you could make an argument for. Cody Roscoe on the defensive line. Yeah. Stephon Thompson has been fantastic. Marlo Wax even has stepped up in a massive role on that defensive side of the ball. There are a lot of guys that have been tested and have stepped up to the plate. Even Garrett Williams, I think he's been having a down season, comparatively at least as what I expected from him, but still six pass breakups. Like These guys, this defense... We had question marks at the linebacker position heading into the season. They answered it. The defensive line was eh last year. They're fantastic this year. The secondary lost a bunch of guys. They filled those gaps as best as they could. This defense is legit, and Michael Jones is the leader of it, so he deserves the player of the year on the defensive side of things. But there's a lot of guys that should also be recognized. Couldn't agree more. I think that this defense as a whole, as we'll get to the biggest surprise award, uh, they kind of all deserve it because I don't think anybody expected them to be nearly this good. We came into this year saying, who's even playing linebacker? Who are, who are yeah. the guys in the defensive line? And they've all come off, just blown our socks off. So you got to love that from Syracuse. Uh, yeah. All right, moving on to the team MVP, Jaron, what do you got? I mean, Sean Tucker, uh, that's the answer. Uh, like if I, if I wanted to say the same name it's going to be Sean Tucker he carries this team on his back I'm going to go a little different though because I just want to give an answer that I haven't already said because I gave Tucker the offensive player of the year so I just want to make it clear Sean Tucker should be team MVP I'm just going to have some fun with this and I'm going to say Garrett Schrader Um, he's, he's orchestrated the offense. You've seen a drastic difference, although the wins haven't been there because they're playing better level competition, but the, the offense has just completely changed with Garrett Schrader, uh, under center starting now, uh, for three games so far. He makes the offense move. I think he opens up a lot for Sean Tucker too, because defenses need to, make sure that they respect his feet as well because if they don't then he's gonna burn them and if they do then it takes a little bit of the eyeballs off of Tucker so I think he changes the offense I think he's been fantastic the one thing I still want to see him do is open it up through the air because if you do that and you have the running ability and you have Sean Tucker next to you defenses have to game plan for all of that which takes all of the pressure off a little bit from each spot so I'm going to go Garrett Schrader. I like how he has stepped up in his starting role. I think it's Sean Tucker, but I'm just changing it up a little bit. I think I'm going to revise and say team MVP besides Sean Tucker because we all know that it is him and it would just be too boring to pick him. So I'm also not going to pick Sean Tucker here, even though it is Sean Tucker. He's the most valuable player this team has seen in a long, long time. I'm going to go with Matthew Bergeron here. Matthew Bergeron, a guy that I don't think a lot of people thought was going to be this good when he came to Syracuse this season Obviously, he's not new, but my point is when he walked up to the Dome for the first time this year. Remember where when the time we first met Matthew Bergeron? It was when Ryan Alexander up and left the program. He <laughs> said, I don't want to I don't play anymore. Actually, he didn't say that. He said nothing, and he just left. Uh, and Matthew Bergeron, a freshman at the time, had to be shoved in, uh, and he just kind of had to be thrown into the fire, trial by fire kind of situation. He wasn't all that good. I don't think anybody really thought he was going to be anything special. Last year picked it up and was one of the only bright spots on the team. 
And this year, he's been incredible. Fourth on the team in terms of PFF grade for an offensive tackle. That is very impressive. He's protecting Garrett Schrader, your MVP. I think you got to love what you're seeing from Matthew Bergeron this year. I like that one. Matt, I also want to just like point this out. The amount of times that we talk about Ryan Alexander leaving this team, I think it's every <laughs> single time we're on so Fizz Radio. We talk about it so many times. I think it's every single time. We talk about time. it a lot. So check we're that box. We're probably the two we... guys in Syracuse media who talk about it the most. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, what else we got <laughs> on our, our uh, midseason on list? All What's right, next? next up is biggest surprise. Jaron, you go first. Cody Roscoe. I'm giving it to the Roskinator. Uh, six and a <laughs> half sacks. The Roskinator, baby. Six and a half sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss, 31 tackles overall. That's third best. As a defensive lineman, you don't really see that very often. It's usually the linebackers who are at the top, which Jones and, and Thompson are there. Um, but Roscoe, I mean, who expected this? Coming from McNeese Just State and FC. Yeah, in, in FCS school two years ago, he, last season he was pretty quiet. He was on the second line, didn't see too much, and now he's jolted his way up into the starting position. Obviously, they rotate a lot on that defensive line, so sometimes he starts, sometimes he doesn't. doesn't really matter who is out there for the very first start because he always gets his snaps. But when he's out there, he is pressuring the quarterback all the time. And you just don't expect that, especially from the nose guard position, not even the ends. He's going right up the middle. He's clogging up the running uh, the running gaps. I, the Roskinator deserves it. Give him the biggest surprise. I like the Roskinator here. I was between the McNeese State product and the Roskinator and the guy I chose. Because I do like Cody Roscoe. He was, like you said, an insane surprise. Uh, but I'm going to go Marlo Wax here. Uh, when the depth chart came out this season, we were on Fizz Radio, Jaron, and we were both like, hmm, Marlo Wax over Jeff Cantonarku? I don't know about that one. And he absolutely pro- proved us both entirely wrong. Marlo Wax has been a really, really strong part of that linebacking unit, one that I had a lot of question marks coming in, and he kind of erased all of them off of the board. Let's talk about a guy in Marlo Wax who was recruited as a three-star running back who is now playing linebacker for Syracuse and doing it beautifully. I think Marlo Wax is definitely a guy that Syracuse is going to cherish for the rest of this season as well as seasons to come. Love Marlo Wax. Yeah, I, that's a great that's a great shout. I actually thought about him too. Um, he's been really fast. I, I think that's the way to describe him. He's just fast. He flies around everywhere. Marlo is Wax fast. is... There's, there's, he starts the play on the left side of the field, and when the play ends, he's wrapping someone up on the far side, on the right side, and he's in the backfield three yards. He's just speedy. All right, so we did offensive player, defensive player, team MVP, biggest surprise. Now, Jaron, I want you to give me the best newcomer this team has to offer. Uh, I'm going to go the defensive side of the ball, and I think he can continue to grow and continue to get better, but I've been really impressed with Deuce Chestnut. Um, I think he's probably your second best defensive back on this team right now behind Garrett Williams. I think that he is your future. I think that he is one of those guys that you will be talking about in two years, two-ish years, um, about, hey, he's going, he's leaving early because he is NFL caliber. I like what he, he's done. He already has a couple interceptions this season. He has gotten burnt a few times, but Garrett Williams has too. So it happens. He's young, but I think he's he has a bright, bright future ahead of him, and I already like what I see. So I'm going Deuce Chestnut, best newcomer. 
There's no better moment in the Dome this season than when Deuce makes a play and the entire Carrier Dome goes, Deuce! It is just the most (laughs) exciting thing. I love it. Um, Yeah, Deuce is a great pick. I think it was between Deuce and Schrader. I took Schrader. Uh, This is a guy that everybody kind of thought he's either going to be the starter all year or we're never going to see him play. He took over after week three and he is just kind of... He's been, besides Sean Tucker, the heart, the beating heart of this offense. I mean, I think PFF ranked him the sixth best rushing quarterback in the country. That's pretty darn good. And you got to love what you're seeing from Garrett Schrader. Sure, the aerial attack really isn't there, but this man runs the ball better than a lot of guys. And that is really valuable for an offense that has a weak wide receiver room, especially uh, with one Taj Harris leaving, that moves on to our final award, biggest disappointment. I'm taking Taj Harris. Coming into this year, Taj was the guy. He was supposed to uh, lead this offense, be the best player this offense had. Uh, and he comes in, throws a little bit of a tantrum, and he's out of here. Uh, it's pretty upsetting to see for Syracuse fans because everybody knows how talented he is. And we wish him the best going forward. But... Really would have liked a lot more if he could have kept it together uh, and been fine playing the slot, where I thought he was really, really talented. I think that the slot was great for Taj Harris because he's small, he's quick, he knows how to find those soft parts of the zone, but he couldn't take it, and he's gone. Biggest disappointment. Yeah, I mean, that's solid. I, I, I won't complain about that one. I, I, I'm going to go with someone who's still on the roster, if that's okay with you, Matt. Uh, and I'm that's gonna, fine. I'm, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of things. I think I've been picking quite a few defensive players here. Um, Kingsley Jonathan. You know, he... Cam Azir's Defensive Player of the Year from the preseason. Yeah. Oh, yes. How about that one? If you want to go check out the article, it's orangefizz.net. Uh, McKinley Williams, He I, I thought about it. But he's dealt with some injuries. He's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Kingsley Jonathan, I mean, he just he just lost his spot. Uh, when you look at his numbers, he has three tackles through six games. He has one and a half sacks, That's which bad. honestly, one and a half sacks is pretty good. Like, I'll take that from him. I wouldn't really take it from, like, a starting defensive lineman. I would hope that he would have more than that at, at, through six games. But only three tackles? That's all you can give us? I... I I don't know. I and I know other people have stepped up and and maybe taken a, more of his snaps, but I just really expected Kingsley Jonathan and Josh Black to be the main anchors of that defensive line this year and Black has been solid, nothing special. He's been solid, but Jonathan has just been eh, like he hasn't even been there. So, biggest disappointment, I expected a lot, haven't really got a lot from Kingsley Jonathan. That's fair. Uh yeah, I mean pretty senior player, a veteran on this team. I think everybody uh, like you, Jared, expected a little bit more out of him. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking some five-star review. We'll talk J.J. Starling's decision, and we'll give you an overall basketball recruiting update. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio. I'm going to need a five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. Back here on Fizz Radio, it's time for five-star review. My favorite part of the show, Jaron, where we talk SU basketball, SU football recruits. This week, we're talking basketball as the season is almost here. It's November 9th. I'm pretty excited. How are you? I mean, I don't think I could be 
more excited. I am amped up for this season. A lot of questions, a lot of storylines surrounding this team. I'm really excited to see how it all pans out. And a lot of storylines surrounding SU basketball recruiting. Of course, Dior Johnson decommitted what seems like 10 years ago, uh, even though it was like last November. Uh, And then also you had Kamari Lands decommit, another five-star that Syracuse thought they had their hands on, says never mind. So pretty upsetting for Syracuse fans everywhere, but... The class of 22 as of right now is is Justin Taylor, a four-star. You've got Quadir Copeland, a three-star, and then the unranked, no-picture Peter Carey on 24-7 Sports. So you've got three guys right now, Jaron. How content are you with this class if they didn't add anybody? Oh, my God. The no-picture, no-star Peter Carey. Oh, my God. I really think people are overhyping him. Wow. He's 6'11", but he's only 190 pounds. Um, now Shades I have of Marek? I have to, I have to uh, regroup after that one. If this was <laughs> the end, if this was you walked out and this is your class of 2022, you're sixth best in the ACC, 30th in the country, that seems like where Syracuse has been throughout. That's like... I think it's actually a couple... little bit better than they usually have been. I know, but like, Matt, if they are the Syracuse of the past... They got to get. They're up not to... though. They're the Syracuse of right now. I know, but you want to get back to the past. You got to get up to four or three in the ACC and top fifteen, top twenty in the country, and thirtieth and sixth is not going to cut it. So, well, I'll tell listen... you what the real issue is. If you want to uh, maintain recruits, is you could build a great roster, but if they all transfer away like they did this off season. What's the point? You had Quincy Garrett. You had Kadari Richmond. You had Robert Braswell. They were all solid players that were going to start this season, and now they're all gone. So yeah. I, if I was a recruit, I don't know if I'd stay anywhere either. Yeah. Like, and here's, I see here's that, the mass thing. exodus. I don't like it. Here's my big thing. With J.J. Star- uh, Sterling, I'm not surprised that he went to Notre Dame because – I think it's, and I think you you miss out on a lot of these guys like Kyle Filipowski or uh, Roddy or or Klingon or even Lands after he decommitted and Dior after they after he decommitted. I think you're missing out on a lot of these guys, and this is a, a an angle that I've trying to been pit I've trying to pitch to a lot of people throughout the the past couple weeks. I think it's because the impending retirement of Jim Beheim. And I know Beheim has said to the media as of recent, he said, I don't really care. Age is just a number. I'm going to keep going until I can keep going. But at some point, you have to expect him to probably retire. My guess is when his sons are done. So you got one son. That means this year. With one more year of eligibility. And then Buddy has another year. But is he going to use it? Is he going to go pro? I think they're both gone. They could both leave after this season. So if that's the case, is Beheim done after this year? Do the recruits know that? I, I, sometimes, I mean, that's the type of insider information that you usually will get when you visit these schools because you ask those questions and coaches need to be honest. So do those recruits know that Beheim is, you know, maybe a year or two out from retirement and they don't want to go into a situation where they're going to flip head coaches or they really like Beheim, but in a year or two, they're not going to have Beheim. Is that why you're losing people? I think that's the case. And that's, a, and that's, that's some something prime that... prime speculation from Mr. May. Yeah, it is speculation, but 
that's what we do here. And I don't think that's something that you can address. Like, that's not something you can fix. That's just, like, something you need to fight through for the next two to three years and then hope that your next head coach can be a solid recruiter. You just can't do anything about it right now, and it's ultimately going to hurt you because, to answer your original question, I'm not blown away by this class of 2022 as it's currently constructed. That's fair. Um, and, you know, that's that, that could be true, Jared, and that could be because all those guys are getting into that room and they're saying, all right, coach, you're the Hall of Famer. Everybody comes here because they want to play with you. How many more years he got? And he's getting in there and he's saying, I only got one more. And they're saying, well, then I'm gone. Uh, so maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. One day, Jaron, I'll tell you what, we'll find out. I guarantee it. Um, all right. The big news of this week was J.J. Starling. He picked Notre Dame over Duke, Maryland, Syracuse, Alabama. He t- he went to Notre Dame. Now the, now, the big story here is that he's a Baldwinsville, New York, which is just down the road from Syracuse. He's from Baldwinsville. It's where he was born and raised uh, and so a lot of Syracuse fans were going, we can't lose this guy. Syracuse has to get this guy uh, because it would be a tough look if he they didn't. But here's the thing. He went to La Lumiere High School, which is in Indiana, 40 minutes down the road from Notre Dame. I really don't think it's that surprising that he picked the Irish. If you go to high school, say if he went to CNS, fine, you can, he should be in Syracuse, but he didn't. He went to school 40 minutes down the street from Touchdown Jesus, so I'm not at all surprised about J.J. Starling. I don't know about you, Jared. I'm not surprised. I think the proximity definitely helps the Fighting Irish, obviously, with his recruiting. That's not a hot take. That's a very lukewarm take. Um, I'm a little surprised that Notre Dame basketball has that type of pull. I... I just, you know, when you think about powerhouses, sure, that's of, a good of, if he wants to play in the ACC, which three of his top five were ACC with Notre Dame, Duke, and Syracuse. And he had Duke on the table, too. So it wasn't like he just didn't. I think you actually bring up a good point in that because Notre Dame's not a powerhouse basketball school. Right. And he still picked him over teams that are, especially right. a, a up and coming powerhouse in Alabama. Right. Yeah. I, Maybe, and and when you look at the current rosters, he's going to play way more at Notre Dame than he would at any other option with Syracuse, Maryland, Duke, or Alabama. Notre Dame's going to give you the most playing time because they have the fewest combo guards. They have the fewest, or they, I, I think that they have the most wide open uh minutes pool right now. So if he wants to go and play somewhere, that's the place to go. So Notre Dame, it makes sense if you're close and if you're promised minutes, maybe you're a starter from day one. I don't think he would with Bayheim here. Um, so I get it. It's just a, another big blow to Syracuse. And the saying that a lot of coaches, whether it's soccer, whether it's football or basketball or lacrosse or any sport at SU, there's a lot of talented high school athletes in central New York. And all of these head coaches say, our goal is is to keep local talent here. And with basketball specifically, it seems like they can never do that. It seems like basketball, they always lose the local battles. And it's, I I don't get it. Maybe people want to get out of central New York. It's just a slap in the face to Bayheim and company that you can't recruit locally. Yeah, I mean, it's not really what you want to see if you're Bayheim. It's not what you want to see if you're the coaching staff or the fans. 
Um, so they lose out on J.J. Starling, but there are still a couple guys that are on the table that Syracuse is definitely linked to. One, you've got Chris Bunch, a four-star small forward, 6'7", 185, out of Concord, California. So the, the, the fun story here is that he, he named his top three Syracuse, Washington, and Rutgers. It's looking like more of a two-horse race now between Jim Beheim, Syracuse and Mike Hopkins, uh, Washington Huskies. So we've seen this go before. Isaiah Stewart uh, picked Washington 15 minutes before uh, he announced it, as we all heard from that Daily Orange article last year. I don't know if it's just me, Jaron, but... I'm not getting the feeling that Chris Bunch will be in Syracuse next year. I think he's your best chance of the remaining uh, options because he is a small forward and Syracuse, at least in the class of 2022, only has Justin Taylor as their small forward recruit. Um, So I think a combination of those two would be pretty solid. And when you look at Washington, they might be able to offer you better Uh, minutes but you're playing in the Pac-12 compared to the ACC and the ACC is better than the Pac-12 I think everyone can agree on that. And objectively Bayheim's a better coach than Hopkins just based on record and and we've seen what Hopkins does with his recruits he just hasn't been able to get the job done and and yeah last year specifically yeah last year specifically they just haven't been good so I I don't know it's difficult because it's difficult to predict because Washington and specifically Hopkins is such a great recruiter that he might be, he's, he is able to grab anybody that he wants, Where, wherever the level, whatever the school, he is such a good recruiter that he can snag any recruit that he wants. With Syracuse, you just have the prestige of Syracuse, the national championship, playing in the ACC, the great facilities. So as much as I want to say Syracuse should win that battle with Washington, I can't say it complete with complete confidence. Um, I do think if we're looking at the Syracuse side of things, I think you need Chris Bunch to be happy with the class of 22. Yeah, I think you either need Chris Bunch or the other guy on the list, which is the three-star out of Culpeper, Virginia, Malik Brown. Uh, this guy's a power forward, 6'9", 210, so a little bit bigger than Carey, but a little bit shorter. Uh, his list a little bit different. You got still got a rival on there in Georgetown, and then you also have Virginia Tech, NC State, and Penn State, all of which are pretty much in the. They're in the. Everyone's in the fight on this one. The only visit he has scheduled is to Syracuse. He took that back on October second. Hopefully for Syracuse fans and the coaching staff that he liked it. Uh, I think that if you want to be happy with this class, you either got to get Chris Bunch or this guy Jaron. But I, I don't know. I, I, you say that Chris Bunch is probably the best bet. I think they have a similar bet in Malik Brown. Yeah, it's. It's difficult. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, those crystal balls from 247 uh, that give you an inkling on where this guy is leaning. They made the top five. He's going to announce soon. He's visited Syracuse pretty recent, actually, just last week on October 2nd. So, yeah, I I guess that's two weeks ago if you do your math correctly. Math's difficult sometimes. Um, So, yeah, I... I, (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I... I would be happy with Malik Brown. I'd be happier with Chris Bunch if if that's how we're breaking it down. <clears throat> Brown's a solid player. Bunch is better. It just depends on it. You, this is the bottom line. You need one of them. That's like that yep. is the bottom line. You need one of them. I don't think Brown really tips the scales too much, 
but he's at least another body that will fill a hole and hopefully you can coach up into being the stereotypical Syracuse power forward wing that is just a solid player that isn't anything too special but always will be there and and is dependable. All right, we'll be wrapping up shop when we come back. Fictional Fizz and Fizz Feedback are waiting for you after the break. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May with you for some Fizz feedback as well as some fictional Fizz. Oh, Jaron, yeah. let's get going. I'm going to start with Fizz <laughs> oh. feedback this time around. Wow. Uh, we'll start on Twitter. If you want to be a part of these polls, just go on Twitter at Orange Fizz and you'll get involved. All right. Number one, at three and three, Syracuse still needs three more wins to become bowl eligible. Will the Orange make a bowl, Jaron? Yes or no? No. Big fat no. Uh, I want to be positive. I think they needed to win that Florida State game. If they snuck out Wake Forest, then it's a resounding yes. I really think you needed uh, the Florida State. If Once they lost that, I saw the writing on the wall. They're going to be in every single game. I've said this before on Fizz Radio. They will be in every game. They will be able to compete. The ACC is down this season. They're up this year. They will compete, but I continue. I, I just expect to continue to see these close losses. I think they get one, maybe two more wins. I don't think they get to that six-win mark, so I got to go no. I also say no, and so does the public. 57% say no out of the 172 votes. Uh, here's the thing. You needed to be 5-1 and one right now if that was going to happen. Uh, you needed those two wins at FSU and Wake Forest to go your way, and, and they just didn't. I think that uh, I think they'll end up 5-7. and seven. I think they beat Clemson on Friday, and then I think they'll beat Louisville and drop every other game, which is Virginia Tech, Pitt, and NC State. Uh, we got four comments on this one. I'll read one of them. Uh, Chauncey McCollins at Donut Loving Dad says, "There's going to be some five. He's going to say there's some five uh, win teams bowling this year." Jaron, what are your thoughts on that? Five win teams. Oh, that's just simply not how it works. Um, well, that's what Chauncey have, thinks. I, I'm sorry, at Donut Loving Dad, but they have to have six wins. So six wins. That's the line. Uh, I right. I don't I don't know how to react. <laughs> okay, viz feedback number two. Who has been the biggest surprise for Syracuse this season? Marlo Wax, Cody Roscoe, Deuce Chestnut, Garrett Schrader. I said Marlo Wax. Jaron said Cody Roscoe. Cody Roscoe won the poll by 2.3%. So Jaron fans out there, you should be hooting and hollering because that's a win for Jaron Camp. I feel good. And it's a little surprising that Garrett Schrader got number uh, – he finished second. Because I thought a lot of people had high expectations for him, and maybe I, I, they I just for a living. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nice reference. Um, I thought that they were, I thought they were high on him heading into it, so he's kind of matching their expectations. So I didn't really file him under a surprise for most people, but I guess that's how they see him. Um, I think Schrader has been as advertised. This is exactly what I thought he was going to be. He was going to be a dual-threat quarterback that would get you some yards on the ground and be an average thrower. That's what he's doing. Cody Roscoe is the guy that has really surprised me and come out of nowhere. All right, last Fizz feedback. What is going to happen with this 
Friday Clemson game. Uh, are they going to win? Is Syracuse going to win by one through seven? Syracuse going to win by eight or more? Clemson win by one or seven? Or Clemson win by eight or more? Clemson wins by eight or more. You can go check out our predictions on orangefizz.net, but I have I have Clemson winning by eight or more. I got Syracuse winning by one through seven. Here's the funny thing about this poll to me is that nobody thinks Syracuse is going to win by eight or more, and nobody thinks Clemson's winning close. Everybody thinks that either Syracuse is eking out a win or Clemson's blowing them out because uh, it's that, 41% that for Clemson. And then... 35% for Syracuse having a close win. I think that's fun. Uh, I think that makes sense. So... And I also, I'm also, <clears throat> I'm just a little shocked because most of when we put these Fizz feedbacks out on our Twitter page at Orange Fizz, a lot of people, just the Syracuse fandom in them kind of blinds them and they vote with their heart and not their head. So I'm a little surprised Syracuse wins by eight plus didn't get more just because of the pure fandom out there. Tell you what, a lot of, a lot of big hearts here. In CNY. All right, let's move over to a couple of fictional fizz lines. I make up fictional betting lines. Jaron, you have to react to them. The first one is Sean Tucker rushing yards over or under 112 and a half. Matt, that's a great line. That is a great line from you. Um, He's, so as much as I want to say over, because I think that he's the only way that they win this game. And he's been putting up last week, he had 105, and then 102, 169, 132. He's only been under that number twice out of the six games that they've played so far. I want to say over, but this Clemson defense is so darn good. I think they neutralize him. I don't know if he hits the 100-yard mark. And I know that that's kind of just like a given these days, that he's just going to run for 23-plus carries and 100-plus yards. I don't know if he can do that against this Clemson defense. I think he's just under that mark, and I think he set a really good line. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, I think that he does get it done because I think they're just going to be shoving him the ball. They'll be like, all right, Sean, here you go. Pretty much every other play. Uh, and, and this guy's an NFL running back. I really believe that. So I, I'm not too scared by the, the potential NFL talent on the other side. I think Sean Tucker gets it done. I think he's going to waltz out again with some absurd number of rushing yards. And I'm going to need it for my prediction if, if Clemson's going to lose that game. So I'll take the over on that one. All right, the second line I have for you, Jaron, there's this one and then there's one more. How many penalties do the Orange get hit with over or under six and a half? Um, I had to look up their numbers because it's just been, they. it seems like they get so many penalties. Uh, I don't even know where to find that, Matt. Um, all right, fine. I'll, I'm just going to go off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I think that... They've been sloppy recently, and it's just a gut feeling when you play against really good teams. Sometimes your jitters are there, and you make dumb mistakes, or you get down late in the game, and you have to fight back, and maybe you take a penalty just to get your team riled back up. So I'll go over, but again, a really good line because I think it'll be close. I also think it's going to be over. 
Uh, I think they're going to end up with like eight or something because that seems to be the biggest problem with Syracuse football this year. My biggest uh, slogan for the season has been stupid penalties are the new fast because that is just what uh, Dino is, is simply screaming at me. So stupid penalties and Syracuse just go hand in hand at this point. Uh, yeah. So I will also take the over there. All right, my final line for you, Jaron. Will the Syracuse defense force over or under one and a half turnovers? Um, again, a really good line. Wow, I think this is your I best. Appreciate. Uh, it. I think this is your best week on setting lines. I'm gonna appreciate go under. It. I think at most they have one. Um, as much as this Clemson offense is not the Clemson offenses that we have grown accustomed to. Um, I don't think this Syracuse defense will get more than two, so or two or more. So I'm going to go under. I think they maybe force a fumble or make one pick. I lean towards a pick, but I think they only get one of those, so give me the under. I'm going to go over here. I think that uh, DJ Uyunglele is going to be under the bright lights of the Dome. All the Syracuse fans are going to be it's shouting be loud. at him. He's going to be shook. It is going to be loud. Syracuse is getting ranked everywhere by all these fan sites as one of the best student sections in the nation. So at least the students have that going for them. Uh, so I think that there's going to be a couple of them. Maybe that'd be a fumble or it'd be a pick. Who knows? But I think they're going to go over. All right. That does it for Orange Fizz Radio this week. For Jaron May, I'm Matt Bonaparte. If you want more coverage, follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz or go to our website, orangefizz.net. We'll see you next time.